the reading of the scriptures uh, from uh, Acts chapter 10. We'll be reading uh, the entire chapter. Uh, so I invite your reverent attention uh, and hearing and faith of God's word. From Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one, Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one, Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you had to say. So he invited them to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So I was sent for, and I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. 
And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you came. You have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but of every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea. Beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Radical uh, change is uh, something I think it's very difficult to process. Uh, and the more radical the change, again, the more resistant sometimes uh, we are to process that change. Uh, and really, the only way that can uh, help you uh, to process that change is to understand the agent. Now, if the agent is bad, then you reject the change. Or if the agent is confused or mixed, then you reject the change. But if the agent is God, then you should be very careful about rejecting the change or resisting it. Uh, here we, uh, we have uh, the evidence of uh, a radical change in, uh, in God's dealings, and we see it in, in two men, two prayers, two visions, and then a very radical outcome. Uh, and uh, essentially, the message of change advances uh, uh, the coming of Gentiles uh, in power and uh, the grace of God. So Acts 10 is telling us that God is doing something that's radical. It's radical change. Uh, and, uh, and the reason the church has to accept it is His grace and power. 
Luke has, uh, has been preparing us for this change if you simply reflect uh, a little bit on what we've already gone through in the book of Acts. For example, uh, Philip uh, preaching the gospel uh, and the Ethiopian eunuch uh, comes to faith and is baptized. So he was a Gentile. So there's a hint of something radical going on. Uh, even in this chapter, uh, I think there's an evidence of radical change because uh, Peter is staying with a tanner. Tanners uh, deal in dead carcasses, uh, likely uh, presenting the occasion for an Orthodox Jew to be rendered unclean. would have been very difficult for an Orthodox Jew like, like Peter, but that's where he's staying. Uh, so the power of God prepares Peter for, uh, for this radical change, initiated, of course, by God in, in Jesus. And uh, that is the first 33 verses uh, of our text this morning. Uh, God begins with a Roman centurion uh, in Caesarea, described as a God-fearer, very devout man. Uh, of course, you and I know from the theology elsewhere of the New Testament uh, like total depravity and, and the uh, justification only by the meritorious works of Christ. And his works are not meritorious. His standing is not meritorious, even though he's held in high esteem in uh, civil and religious circles. All those things are wonderful, but they're not meritorious at all before God. Uh, and uh, Peter's uh, interpretation of this event in chapter 11 uh, will remind us of the clarity of the grace of God. That's, that's what makes, uh, makes us meritorious before God, namely the merits of the work of Christ. Nevertheless, it's about 3, uh, 3 p.m. Uh, or the uh, hour of uh, evening sacrifices and Cornelius uh, prays. And he has a vision of a divine messenger who commands him to go get Peter. Uh, again, Peter was an Orthodox Jew. Uh, he would have been very concerned about uh, coming into the home of a Gentile who might be rendered unclean. So that would have, that would have concerned him. Uh, but, but the vision is from God, uh, and, and we need to understand that uh, you and I have the visions of God in Holy Scripture, and therefore we need to be very careful about resisting uh, God's word as it uh, beckons us to change, but, but nevertheless uh, uh, brings us to, uh, uh, to Peter, uh, change in uh, biography, a Gentile, could not, uh, could not enter, for example, to the inner sanctum of the temple uh, to render sacrifices, to pray, fellowship, would have been excluded from that. You come to now to Peter, who would have been included. It's noontime. He's hungry. Uh, happens. Yeah. So, in his hunger, he prays and he falls into a trance. And uh, Luke tells us that he beholds heavens being opened. So another vision from God. Uh, you and I don't. Uh, believe in uh, visions today uh, because of the completion of the canon of Scripture. 
But Scripture bids us uh, to be very careful about resisting the change we find in Scripture. And again, the point of the vision uh, to, to Peter is that God is acting. Uh, and the point of the vision is God is, uh, is going to reach Gentiles. And all these animals in this vision. Uh, but God is going to reach Gentiles and Jesus is going to be his change agent. And it's radical change uh, that Peter's going to have a problem with. Uh, but it's a vision of a sheet-like object being lowered just very quickly in terms of uh, uh, review, the 12th verse, and there are in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth, birds of the air, and a voice from God. Again, radical change. God is speaking. Uh, you and I have the voice of God in Scripture. That's why uh, we believe that we meet God in Scripture. It's, it's encapsulated for us in Scripture. Uh, but this voice commands uh, Peter to rise, kill, and eat, and uh, he refuses because of Jewish dietary law. So notice the conflict. God speaks, but God speaks in his dietary law. What's, I mean, how's Peter going to resolve that? Well, the radical change is going to tell Peter to resolve it. Uh, God, God responds to, uh, to Peter's hesitancy to to kill and eat an unclean animal, uh, like a pig. Jews to this day will not eat. Certainly Orthodox won't, won't process uh, pork. Uh, I mean, if they're really Orthodox, uh, rabbis are going into food processing plants and determining if you can buy certain products. But nevertheless, that's Peter. Uh, look, look very quickly. Uh, uh, Peter refuses, but God comes a second time. Verse 15, what God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. That's the radical change. And Peter is going to try to process it. In fact, it occurs three times, uh, Luke tells us. And in and of itself, the repetition is telling Peter that there's change. And Jesus is the change agent. And that's why he needs to accept the change. Uh, that God is initiating that change in his agent who is Christ. Uh, Peter's, uh, Peter's perplexed. Uh, again, he's having a difficult time processing change. Uh, but the theology is the, the essential element. That the ceremonial law was a shadow pointing to Christ. In the presence of Christ, the ceremony and the shadows of the ceremony are obviated. Peter's going to have a difficult time letting go of, of that. You and I sometimes have a difficult time letting go of change. But when it's God who is the change agent, and His agent is Jesus, His Son, then you have to accept that change. Uh, we all understand resistance. We, we resist sometimes. Uh, but that's why we need to understand that God is the change agent. But the ceremonial law, make no mistake about it, was a shadow pointing to Christ. Once the reality in Christ comes, the shadows retreat, and they retreat by the majesty of the light of who Christ is. And that's the change. That's also the change agent. 
and uh, the ceremonial law is uh, now nullified by Christ. Obviating the old. That's a whole lot of change. I mean, a whole lot of change. But Jesus is a whole lot of change too. and He is obviating the ceremonial law. Uh, of course, the new covenant is obviating the old covenant. Uh, let's, let's illustrate this in a very radical type verse, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Uh, it's a reference to Christ and His coming his crucifixion on the cross. Here are the words of Daniel. He will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. The new covenant is coming to trump the old. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. Notice what Daniel is telling us in, uh, in this vision. Christ will put a stop to the Old Testament sacrificial system. I don't mean a slow stop. I mean a radical stop. I mean like you're traveling 200 miles an hour in a NASCAR race and the car stops. Uh, not on a dollar bill, on a dime. That's change. And Jesus is the agent. And thank God He is because of what it means for us as heirs of the new covenant. Change is incredible. We, we, we accept it because of Christ who puts a stop. That God is changing the law and the portal, the portal, how you got to God from the Old Testament through Israel to Christ. And uh, Peter gets the implication of the vision because God changes him uh, by the vision. And God prepares him in the vision. So if you look at verse 28 of Acts chapter 10, said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner to go visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. God has shown me. That's radical change. So he goes to Caesarea and uh, Cornelius. Now, you, you, you and I know from Scripture that Peter has trouble processing this change. I mean, here he kind of gets it, but he, he's going to struggle with it. Uh, let's turn to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 12. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul. He's going to rebuke Peter because Peter is not fully processing the change of Acts chapter 10. For prior to coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. Ah, but when they came, <laughs> this, is, this is so funny because it, it's really a picture of all of us in so many ways. When they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. He becomes to respect, uh, show favoritism based on the party of the circumcision. You and I do that in our lives. In a measure, it's occurring in our civil society, but sometimes even Christians have a problem processing change. But they need to process it because uh, 
Paul is uh, Paul's going to affirm in the book of Galatians that uh, the portal is no longer Israel. And by the way, never will be Israel again. The portal is a new Israel in Jesus. Uh, and Christians today have a problem with that, but just, just need to look at the hermeneutic of the book of Galatians. Uh, you're not a Jew by Abraham. Uh, you're a Jew by faith in the Son of God. He, he makes you a, a new Israel. Now, that's not my interpretation. That's clearly the words of the Apostle Paul. Got to process that change. <laughs> but, I mean, to this day, certainly in a state like Oklahoma, we have a very difficult time processing that change. Uh, and I think it obscures the majesty of the change agent who is Christ alone. And what it means to have faith in Him. Radical change. The agent's the key. There's another very very prominent person in the Bible who has problems processing that change. You know who it is? Yeah, that's Jonah. God says, Jonah, you go to Nineveh. Jonah said, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to have anything to do with Gentiles. And by the way, God, I don't want to see you save Gentiles. So I'm out of here. We never do that, do we? <laughs> we never play Jonah. But I suspect we do it all the time. God, I don't get that. I don't like it. I'm out of here. Be very careful uh, resisting the change when Christ is the agent and God's power is about to work to save whom He wills to save. Uh, the power of God is evidenced in Peter's sermons of Old Testament fulfillment, uh, verses 23 to 43. At first, Peter's going to get it. Uh, verse 34. Uh, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. In other words, God doesn't judge from the outside. Uh, that's epidemic in our culture. We judge by appearance, we judge by color, we judge by jewelry, we judge by fashion, we judge by everything. Man, I, have, I have very fond memories of high school, but one of the things that always I laugh at in high school is a very strict caste system. I mean, there was incredible divisions in my high school. And it was so rigid of a caste system that in some cases... If you weren't born into it geographically, you could never break in. I mean, I laugh at it today, but we, we, we continue to do that, don't we? Uh, and we need to be very careful when Christ is the change agent. I mean, I just blew it off. Yeah, I mean, you, what you see is what you get. I mean, I understand only my grandmother loved me truly. Well, that's not totally the case, but, but, uh, but you understand appearance. Appearance. We need to realize God has changed things. Uh, and uh, uh, Peter tells us by alluding to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 16 to 17. Uh, that's that God doesn't show favoritism. And if God does it, neither should we. 
Deuteronomy 10, verse 16, 17, circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no more. The Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great and the mighty and the awesome God who does not show partiality. God is the agent of that change. He is the God of God and Lord of lords. Nothing trumps Him. He trumps everything. And therefore, be very careful in the church about showing partiality because of some high school fetish or whatever. The context is that the outward sign was a symbol of an inner reality of the cutting away of the old. The circumcision was to reflect the inner reality that God has cut away the old heart and all that the old heart meant. Reinforces the fact that God shows no partiality to the outer. His partiality is to the inner man, the inner woman in the heart. It's the heart to see essential. And He makes us alive by His power. Resurrection and new birth. A great change agent. Uh, so the, the typology of Deuteronomy 10 is now fulfilled in Acts chapter 10. There's a very, another radical place where it's fulfilled uh, that's even more graphic in its description. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, uh, reading uh, verses 11 to 13. Uh, and it's magnifying for us Christ as the change agent, uh, enforcing radical change in our hearts. Not the outer person. You know, he doesn't come and say, you know, Phil, go to the plastic surgeon and get this done and I'll accept you. It's never the outer man or woman. It's the inner. Inner. So what does Christ do on the inner man or woman or boy or girl? Again, uh, Colossians 2, verses 11 to 13. And in Him, in Christ, the new portal, in Christ, you've been made, pardon me, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In other words, God cut your heart to make you new. The made without hands is a reference to His power, the power of Christ. In the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with Him in baptism and in which you were also raised up with Him through faith and the working of God who raised Him up from the dead. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive. Together with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. So who, who made you alive? Christ, He's the agent of change. Did He change your outer person? No. God doesn't show partiality to the outer. He doesn't care about the outer. The only thing I care about the outer is that He created me and He created you. I'm, I'm pleased with that. That's enough for me. Because <laughs> he's, he's the Creator. When it comes to the inner man, the heart, Christ is the sole change agent. And that's what we show partiality to. In the church. Nothing to do with civil society. In the church. In the civil society, of course, we love. Uh, but here it's even more magnified sense of love because of what Christ has done. Now, we love uh, all who God has created, uh, but in the church, again, uh, uh, there's no partiality at all because of the change agent. I do remind you of, of 
of the simple phrase, He, God, verb, made you alive. Uh, in other words, you were once dead, and you could not make yourself alive. You could not participate as an agent of change in your heart. You were so dead, and He made you alive. Uh, that's why we, we should accept what He's done. Point is not the outer man. God changes the inner man by Christ. Uh, the agent of change. That's why caste systems, it's, it's old stuff. You know. uh, God, has, uh, God has made change. We don't, uh, should not follow caste systems. However they break out in our culture. India or America, it makes no difference. There are no caste systems in the grace of God. When the agent of change is Jesus Christ, He's the only portal. The outer man has nothing at all to do with it. By the way, there's a great illustration of here in contemporary, contemporary religion. Uh, Messianic Jews who are Christians. I, I don't doubt that. I'm glad they're Christians. But they spend so much time on shadows. Looking at the shadows. Why do you look at the shadows when you have the majesty of the light in Jesus Christ? Why would you waste time with the shadows? They once pointed us to Christ in the old, but in the presence of the new, now we have the real person of change. We do away with the signs because He has come. We should major on, we should major on Him. The more we, the more we spend time magnifying Him and looking at Him and trying to imitate Him and praising Him, that's what the church should be about. I, that's why I, you know, I don't do a Passover meal at Grace Bible Church. That's old stuff. I, I don't uh, spend a lot of time in Old Testament liturgical calendars. Why is that? Because Christ is the calendar. Uh, on occasion, I'm reminded of, uh, of uh, friends and denomination where they profess to see God in paintings. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I'm like you. I like art. We have some art in, in our church here. Stained glass windows. I admire art. I don't spend any time at all looking at our artwork, except when I have to, my eyes. I want to spend time looking at Jesus. Why look at paintings when you got Jesus? Why say, we're going to burn some incense, you're going to smell God? Well, I don't smell God, I just smell incense. I don't get this smelling God. I want to see God in the Scriptures. I'm just, I understand I'm just on the turnip truck trying to figure it all out, but I don't, I don't smell God in in uh, incense, but some people, some people just can't seem to let go of that, and they don't fully understand the change agent. I'm not saying they're not Christian. Don't misunderstand me. But the change agent is so beautiful, and so radical, and so majestic. We should give attention to him, and. Uh, 
and never let go. Secondly, the power of change is documented in the Word of God. Acts chapter 10, verse 36. The Word which He has sent to the sons of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Paul's reminding us. Peter's reminding us. Christ is Lord of all. He's a change agent. Accept it. This is an allusion to Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7 if you want to turn to the Old Testament. Because now there's greater fulfillment in Christ. The context is the grace of God expressed in the good news of the provision of God in restoration from Babylon and sin. It's captured for us here in the celebration of the news brought by a messenger with the great news of victory indicating the beauty of the message. And, by the way, the beauty of the messenger who is now Christ. Peter is saying that Christ is the fulfillment of the message and the messenger. He reconciles. He brings peace. He makes peace. Uh, Do you understand that you could not reconcile yourself to God? How can an inferior reconcile themselves to God? It takes the superior to effect reconciliation. And Christ is Lord of all. If He reconciles you, focus on Him, not the outer man. Focus on what He's done, not the outer man. And He makes peace for us. God the Father. He is our peace agent. Estrangement is over. Incredible agent. Accept it. So Peter is bringing the message to a Gentile centurion. And God is telling him, embrace him. Uh, Another great, another incredible application here. The entire second half of the book of uh, Isaiah is about New Exodus. Forget the old. Forget the entrapments of the old. Forget the shadows of the old. Get in the light of the new. The new exodus has come. And Christ is the exodus. He's the way. He's the change agent. The Apostle Paul cites this text as a description of that change in a more fuller way than we have in Acts chapter 10. If you would... Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, it's radical change. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, beginning in uh, uh, verse 13. But now, now, new change, temporal change, radical change in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off, namely the Gentiles, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Well, I mean, let's put some stuff in there. Circumcision, outer man. Boy, that's dangerous stuff. That is dangerous stuff when you start adding. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace who made both groups, namely Jew and Gentile, into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Because of time, look at verse 18. For through Him, we both have our access to one Spirit to the Father. Through who? Through Him, not shadows, not types in the Old Testament, not the outer man, through Christ. He's the change agent. The Spirit applies it in radical power. That's why we have to accept it. Radical power. That Christ is the sovereign creator of not only vertical reconciliation between us and God, but 
uh, horizontal reconciliation between Jew and Gentile. Whatever other ethnic groups there are, I don't know what they are, just Jew and Gentile, but it doesn't make any difference. People from the Congo, people from Uganda, India, South America, if Christ has saved them, uh, we're one with them. He's the agent of change. He's the power that broke down the ceremonial law and gave us equal access to God the Father. Who am I to put something new in there like whatever you want to add? Be very careful about adding. In the face of Christ who is the Lord of all. The end time restoration promises are fulfilled by and in Christ. It's the identification with Him and not the ceremonial law symbolized by circumcision and dietary law. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man, any man, woman, boy, girl, any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. All, all things are passed away. All things become new. Christians... Some of my Christian brothers have a problem with that. Want to hold on to the shadows or hold on to physical realities like incense or whatever. Uh, this too, by the way, is uh, uh, another expression of the power of the Word of God enforcing change in verse 38. You know of Jesus uh, of Nazareth, how God anointed Him with the Holy Spirit and with power the anointing of Christ by the Spirit. Uh, this is an allusion to Isaiah 61. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Uh, the rest of Isaiah 61, verse 2, is very important for the time being and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all those who mourn. The favorable year of the Lord. The context is the anointing of the servant to proclaim and effect good news. And Messiah is going to effect it. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the change agent. Uh, you know the account from Luke 4. It's one of the most compelling accounts in Scripture. We've looked at this previously, but when Jesus goes to the synagogue in Nazareth, He reads this text. He sits down. He says to them, now you want to talk about change agent. You're in a synagogue. And Christ, who is the Lord of all, says today, this Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. How is that? By Christ and His presence. Very important you understand that Jubilee was a radical year in the calendar, liturgical calendar of Israel. Seven iterations of the sabbatical cycle plus one year, 50 year. It was a radical year. All your debts were forgiven. If you had sold yourself into slavery to one of your countrymen, you were set free. If you owed something to your brother because you took out a loan, the debt was canceled. 
Christ fulfills the year of Jubilee. He cancels your debt to God the Father. He is your Sabbath rest now and throughout all eternity. The entire calendar that dominated slaves and those who were in hawk because they took out a loan is now fulfilled in Christ. My friend, that is a change agent of radical proportions. And Christ sat down in the synagogue and said, today this text has been fulfilled in your midst. Be very careful about erecting change agents uh, with what God does in His Son. Uh, Peter summarizes uh, this for us in verse 43. Of Him all the prophets bear witness, and through His name everyone who believes in Him has received forgiveness of sin. I mean, you and I know that one of the greatest gifts of all time is the forgiveness of sin. The greatest. I, I don't know... Perhaps there is another one, but to me, that's everything. And who forgives? Christ. And if Christ forgives, then... Well, in verses 44 to 48, it's even more radical, the change agent. The power of God's change is evidenced in the anointing of the Gentiles and their baptism. And so in verse 44, while Peter is speaking, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, falls upon the Gentiles. Uh, this is another fulfillment of Acts 2. In Acts 2, the uh, Spirit fell upon uh, uh, the Christians, uh, the Christian Jews. Now He's falling upon the Gentiles. Uh, validating that God is now reaching in a radical way uh, Gentiles. That the end time restoration of the nations is now engaged. Isaiah foretells it. It's now being fulfilled in Acts. In the Old Testament, it was a trickle. Now it's going to become a flood. Change agent. Uh, I have so many Christian friends who see Acts as uh, simply historic narrative. They don't understand the Old Testament fulfillment. They don't understand the fulfillment of prophecy. And therefore, they struggle with making change because of a hermeneutic to embrace that change because it's so powerful in its implications, what it means. Uh, so Cornelius and all of his household are anointed by the Spirit, absent what? Circumcision and irrespective of dietary law and anything in the outer man. That's why you and I embrace people fully regardless of their appearance. Regardless. Why? Because of Christ. Because of Christ and only Christ. And forever Christ, by the way. Until he comes again. Christ has, if he will, swept all of the ceremonial law away. S centuries of ceremonial law. One man, one person, the God man, ends it at the cross. Incredible change. The authority is his sovereignty, the application is his power. I don't have time to go over this, but the speaking in tongues here is interpreted in light of Acts 2 and 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, but the point is that the Gentiles now are speaking in tongues, known foreign languages, Gentile languages which they previously did not know or study, uh, validating to the 
circumcised that were present in the household, observing what is going on, that God is now reaching universally to the nations. Incredible change in the miracle. It too is a sign of the universality of the Gospel, for it's no longer ethnic Israel that's the portal. It's all men without distinction in Christ. In Christ. Uh, well, what about the Holy Spirit? First uh, John chapter 2, verse 20, John tells us, you have an anointing from the Holy One, as you all know. You have that same Spirit. Notice the present tense. You have, John says. And you also know. You know lots of things. You need to know that it's no longer the outer man. You need to also know that it's a, now it's a new hermeneutic. Uh, it's the majesty of God. It's fulfillment of the liturgical calendar. It is countless things. But you know it. <laughs> Act upon what you know because of who Christ is. So God makes the change in Jesus. Spirit validates it by His power. And we should accept it and give thanks. Thanks.